Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 882 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today on the podcast, I'm speaking with Malia. She is the mother of two children who have type 1 diabetes. Both were diagnosed when they were young and are like pre-teeny age, just starting their teen years right now. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you have type 1 diabetes, are the caregiver of someone with type 1, and are a U.S. resident, please go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox and fill out the survey. Completing that survey helps to move diabetes research forward. You can help somebody, help yourself, help the show, all in fewer than 10 minutes at t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. And you can save 10% on your first month of therapy with BetterHelp. That's betterhelp.com forward slash juicebox. Save 10% on your first month when you go through that link. This episode of the Juicebox podcast is sponsored by Cozy Earth. That's cozyearth.com, where I got the sweatshirt I wore yesterday, the sheets I slept on last night, and I got some towels coming too. They make terrific stuff. And if you use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout at CozyEarth.com, you will save 35% site-wide. That's 35% with the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout, CozyEarth.com. If you're looking to start with AG1 from Athletic Greens, my link, AthleticGreens.com forward slash JUICEBOX will get you going. And you'll also get a free year supply of vitamin D, and five free travel packs with your first order. Fill nutrition gaps, promote gut health, and support whole body vitality with AG1. Athleticgreens.com forward slash juice box. My name is Malia. I have two children with type one, Sophia and Wyatt. Of course, she just goes by Sophie. Um, currently, they are 13 and 14 years old. Um, but they were diagnosed at five and eight. Okay. Sophia's 13. She's 14, actually. 14. She's the older Why of the 13. two. How old was Sophia when she was diagnosed? She was, she had just turned eight. eight. Um, so they're about 16 months apart. And uh, he was first, actually. He was five years old when he was diagnosed. Is there, I mean, was that completely a surprise or are you like, oh no, everybody in our family gets diabetes? No, we have no family history. Um, he was first. So when he was five years old, we had gone to Disney World. And, um, I, you know, it's funny because I, I do listen to your podcast. I feel like our, our story is probably not super unique in that sense. Like we noticed all of the classic signs. He was, you know, wetting the bed every single night. And since we were on vacation, we were spending 24-7 with each other and probably noticed it a little bit more than I would have even at home, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, we were going to like the 20 minute Disney shows and I would take him to the bathroom before and he would still have an accident. So um, actually on our way home, uh, my husband's college friend is a nephrologist. And so he just was like, and you know, they're still close. And he said, what do you think? 
And he never mentioned diabetes. He never said that. He just said, I think I would have that, you know, checked out. So we went to our pediatrician and she told us on the spot, you know, his blood sugar was about 380, I think. Um, And where we were unique, which I found this, you know, at the beginning, we didn't know anything. (laughs) So we didn't know this was unusual, but um, after talking to families that we connected with later, they were like, oh, this, that's, I've never heard this, but um, we were sent home that day. We did not go to the hospital. Um, So looking back on it, it was a little less traumatic, I think in that moment. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, as a parent, parents, we went home and started looking, you know, looking at things. And, um, so we were terrified and we were just sent home. <laughs> so, so when they tell you was, in that situation, they tell you diabetes and, and you have an answer. So you're probably like, well, at least we know what's going on. And then when they send you home, it probably doesn't seem that like that much of a big deal. At the, at, is that the idea? Well, no, you know, we didn't know enough to take care of him. That's what I would say, but oh. we knew enough to be terrified. that's, that's where we were. So they just sent us home and I was in tears and in denial, like immediately all the, um, you know, all the different stages of grief, I guess, started to happen. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we were going back. So they, they sent us to an endocrinologist the next morning and, um, we were just going back daily. Like we didn't spend any time in the hospital. So we were just going back each day for education and, um, you know, what do we do? And so like, I, I literally was going through all the stages. Like I, at that point I was in denial. Cause I kept thinking we're going to go back today and they're going to tell us there was some kind of mistake, you know? Right. <laughs> and, um, which is so ridiculous to think about now, but I, I really thought that, you know, uh, we, we don't have a family history of any kind. And so I thought this is probably just, there's, there's probably a mistake. Hmm. Uh, and I kept hoping for that. It wasn't the case, of course. Right. How was your husband dealing with it in that moment? So it's really funny. And this is the part where we always say, you know, it's, this is such a personal thing, but we are like, we talk to a lot of, you know, type one families now. And um, I mentored families uh, through JDRF. I did that for a little while. And we always were like, okay, it's better if we're just honest about it, you know, how it affected us differently. Right. Because I think it helps people feel better. Um, you know, it, it, it's kind of painful to say that I was like, I went through two weeks where I just, I, I, I really was in a state of depression, you know, and it's hard to say because you think I had another child that I needed to also just put it in gear for, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but he really did. He kicked it in gear and he was like, and he's Mr. Like, let's fix it. There's a problem. Let's figure it out. So he was taking care of me too. So it was really probably a lot for him. Yeah. In those first few weeks, <laughs> I hear that. Oh my goodness! I, I um, I wonder, I wonder if if everybody gets a chance to look back on it like that and just take a minute to sort of diagnose what happened in the second because it's very interesting. It's like you're you're feeling depressed and you kind of probably turtled up a little bit, and then he looks up. The kid's got diabetes. There's another kid, and you're like, uh, I'm out. <laughs> Yeah, yes. <laughs> he's probably just like, oh my gosh! Did you ever talk about it with him afterwards? Oh, oh yes, we did. We've talked about it many times. Um, I mean, he—I can remember this. Like, it, I mean, you know, this was years ago, but I can remember sitting in the kitchen and him asking me when the last time I ate was. Mm-hmm. And then looking back, I thought this is really unfair to my husband because he's, you know, learning a completely new 
you know, this chronic disease that he's got to take care of, you know, that he's handling. And then another kid who's still very young, you know, she was young at the time. It's not like we can tell her just to hang tight, you know? And then me that he's having to ask if I ate today. How long, or I guess you said a couple of weeks, but what do you think brought you around? It's really just my personality to just, I kind of look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, okay, you need to get it together today, you know? Um, but my mother-in-law, I went over to her house and, uh, she came outside and met me on the porch and she said, Hey, it's, it's time to get it together. (laughs) And it, it really kind of made me realize that, you know, she, she was right. Um, and that's my personality too, is, is like, okay, it's time to step it in into gear and, and, and deal with what we have to deal with. Malia, I didn't like you for my, my son and don't prove me right here. Okay. Let's get going. (laughs) Well, that's lovely of her. She's probably been through some things that she knows how it all works, you know. And uh, and when you gotta seal up a little bit, and and uh, even when you you don't feel like yeah. you can do it, yeah, know? I think she she also knows my personality and knew that that would that would be a good, you know, like okay, your time is done. Get you going. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, was your husband way ahead of you when you came online, or um, a couple weeks? He probably didn't know very much, I guess. What, yeah, we, I mean, it was no kidding. I mean, what I think probably for what anybody would say, what you know, unless you're in the medical world, maybe, right? You or have a history, you probably don't know a lot anyway. Um, I mean, I was, I was showing up to everything. I did feel like I was in a fog, you know, the entire time that I was learning things. But, um, no, I, I think I've, I think I was staying focused on how to be a good caregiver. It's just, um, yeah, I just, I just was pretty much denying that it was happening, but, um, we, we kind of had the reverse roles when my daughter was diagnosed because it was about 14 months later. And, um, so he was at a, he was at a work dinner and we, I had taken them shopping. And so she, she kept doing the same thing. Like I have to go to the bathroom. I have to go to the bathroom. And it was very unusual for her. And so I just brought her home and used his meter and uh, did a finger stick and she was fi- like 500. And so I called him and I told him what was going on. And he said, that's impossible. Not that he didn't say that's impossible, but he was like, there's no way right. do it again. And I said, I've, I've done it three times. You should, you should just come home. <laughs> so. He's like, I'm not coming home. Actually. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah, you were with them when it happened. It's your problem. Now I got to go. <laughs> <This is terrible. laughs> oh my gosh. I, in that like shopping trip, when she's, going to the bathroom and going to the bathroom right away. You're like, Oh my God, Sophie has diabetes too. Do you think it right away? It was my first thought to of course test her. I mean, we left the store early and I, you know, I was like, I didn't want to be there doing it. And um, so we, we left because I was like, this is the first thing I'm going to do, but I'm going to be honest with you. When I saw that number pop on on the meter, I thought, no way there's gotta be something on her hands. You know, like I, I I mean, not that that would, make it five. I just, I just, I, I thought there, there can't be, this can't be happening. No, no, it seems impossible to me. I mean, it, it, I don't even know what to relate it to. Like you, 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 you I don't know, you, you get a scratcher with your coffee and you win and the next week it happens again. And you're like, get out of here. Like, like, <laughs> like this stuff doesn't happen twice to people. It, it just, um, oh, and so close together too. Yes. Time-wise. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. We were super shocked. What we happened? Really were. Did you go through similar situations the second time 
Like, was he like, don't worry, it's fine? Or did it turn into like, he was like, I'm out of, this is killing me. And you were like, don't worry, I have it. Like, who? Yeah, so we did, we did, we had the reverse roles this time around. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked about this later, much later, right? Because, you know, sometimes when you're in the moment of drowning, that's all you're doing is drowning. You know, you're not really focusing on anything else. But I did have kind of the reverse on that one. So I was like, we can do this. It's, you know, we, we know what we're doing, right? Like we know what we're doing. We're, we're fine. You know, let's just move on. Not fine, but right. it was still certainly a sting, but, um, and, and he did too. I mean, he's, he sees problems ahead and it's like, let's just fix it. But about a year after her diagnosis, we realized that we hadn't done much other than talk about diabetes, we hadn't gone on a date with each other. We had, you know, we were just like, what are we doing? Yeah. Well, it's constant. It really is. Um, did the, um, did Wyatt have any technology by then? Was he using a pump or CGM or anything by the time Sophie was diagnosed? No, okay. no. And so I, I don't, I never want to make it sound like I, we, here's how I'll put it. We, the endocrinologist that we were sent to was not very progressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and remember that was several years ago too, but the CGM was there, the pump was there and we were not doing any of that. So I would ask her about it, um, constantly. And she would say, well, you know, you still have to do finger sticks. You know, you were calibrating twice a day, I think at that time. And I said, yeah, I, I know, but that's better than, you know, 10 or 12, um, and I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't, you know, I just, my health was probably gonna, if I kept that up, it was gonna kill me. Yeah. And, um, did that, so I would I ask, ask about all those things and did, we weren't getting it. So let me jump in. Did that, did that, um, endo have diabetes? No. Interesting. Because you have to finger stick anyway, back when you had to calibrate your CGM a couple of times a day. That's such a, like an old head type one answer about that. Because yeah, I can see that, you know, and and it's like, because I think, you know, based on conversations I've had, my expectation is, is that back then when CGMs required a couple of calibrations a day, people who were testing all the time anyway, were like, well, listen, if it's not going to stop me from testing, then I don't care. I think they saw it as a, like a blood glucose meter replacement and they didn't, they weren't imagining all the benefits of seeing the speed and direction of the blood sugar at that time. So that, that was a really common answer back guys. What made me ask? So, okay. So you're, I'm sorry. So you're not sleeping. <laughs> Things are going downhill quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Endo won't give you anything to help. Um, when do you think, well, let me ask you this. Did, did the kids have, I'm assuming they did, but how did they have different reactions? Like what, what sticks out in your head about why it's reaction at five years old versus Sophie's reaction at eight years old? So he doesn't, I mean, this, even though he was five, this is the only life he remembers. Uh, He doesn't think about life before diabetes. And at five, he was, he did, I'll tell you, thinking back on some of the things that he said to me at five years old, and I'll never forget them. It it broke my heart. Um, You know, we did adjust his diet immediately and we, you know, we did all these things. And of course he's doing all these finger sticks a day and his fingers hurt. And I can remember him at five. And of course he just, you know, he looked just like a baby still had all the, you know, big cheeks and, mm-hmm. and, um, I can remember him waking up in the middle of the night and his stomach was upset. So he's like, you know, sitting in the bathroom and I'm sitting there with him on the floor and he says, mommy, my fingers hurt. And I have his fingers, his hands wrapped up in a wet washcloth while he's in the bathroom with a stomach ache. And he just looked at me and said, well, when is this going to end? 
And that was heartbreaking. Yeah. Jeez. You make me cry. (laughs) Yeah. It was, it was, (laughs) and he would try to put it with an age, you know, he would say, well, when I'm your age or when I'm Papa's age. Mm -hmm. So it, it was, it was hard. He got past it, you know, pretty quickly. Um, for her, she just, when she saw that number on the meter, she just immediately bawled. She knew what it meant. Right. Yeah. Way different context at that point. She's seen him live with it for, what'd you say, 16 months? It was about 14 or months. 14, excuse me, 14 months at that point. So she saw the shots and the testing and low blood sugars and you looking frazzled from a distance and all that stuff. And then it was on her too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I just logged on to CozyEarth.com, and immediately uh, it just says here, hey, if you give us your email address, we'll give you a $50 credit. So that seems like an easy way to get $50. Uh, But that's not why I'm here. I'm here to tell you that you will save site-wide 35% on your order when you use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout at CozyEarth.com. Cozy Earth features... Honestly, it, the most comfortable bed sheets that you've ever slept on, at least the ones that I've ever slept on. If you slept on more comfortable sheets than this, you're living better than I am. The sheets are soft and they, they body temperature, I don't know how to put it. Like I'm never hot or cold in the sheets. Are, I almost cursed. They're fantastic. And I, I cannot stress enough that the joggers from Cozy Earth, they're in full rotation in my drawer. Do you understand? I'm wearing those things every time they're clean. I wear them. Uh, do I stretch it out a little bit? Maybe a little bit. Then write little laundry. And then boom, I'm right back into them again. They are, they call your name. They're just like, Scott, I'm so soft and I'm so comfortable. Put me on. And uh, I listen. CozyEarth.com. Bedding, bath towels, stuff for women and men. Uh, I, I can't, I mean, you should go. Like, just head over. Got five years in a row, they've had something on Oprah's favorite things list. 2018, 19, 20, 21, 22. And by the way, never the same thing twice. Waffle bath towels, plush lounge socks, bamboo jogger pant, bamboo pajama set, bamboo sheet set. Oh, that's right. Viscose bamboo. That's what my sheets are made out of. Comfy, comfy, comfy. You got, just go look for great colors, great selection, great style, great comfort, great satisfaction. Cozy Earth dot com forward slash juice box save 35 percent on everything you put in your cart at checkout with the offer code juice box there are links in the show notes of your podcast player and links at juiceboxpodcast.com to cozy earth athletic greens t1d exchange all of the sponsors and the places that we support when you click on my links you are supporting the show just like when you use juice box at checkout at cozy earth it's all supporting the podcast. How are they today? Good. Um, they're good. We're we're in the teenage years, and you know, I might could use your advice. Yeah, I don't know. I got kids. Um, Not, nothing she, goes right for me either. But go ahead. What do you got? <laughs> she does pretty good in the sense of she's neither of them are rebellious about it. I mean, at this point, knock on wood, they're not like just angry about it. There's, there's none, none of that. Um, they have not hit the, like, I don't want to tell anybody or, you know, just none of that, but to be honest with you and, and we 
you know, my husband, and I just say it like our son, he's, his A1C was not great last time. And uh, we were very upset. Like he and I were just because we think about long-term and he's 13 and he's just living a day, you know, day to day. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest with you, a lot of his is just like, oh, I ate and I forgot to bolus for any of the food that I just ate. And um, so then we're just fighting the highs and trying to attack those. And um, so we just, we bat, we've battled that for about a year with him. Okay. And he's, so what happens there? Does, I mean, you obviously you sit and you explain it to him, even though you're like, I know he knows this, but let me just say it again. And then he just doesn't do it. So is it willful? Is it, he's busy? What do you think? Do you have any yeah. kind of thoughts about that? I, I I think he's just kind of being lazy about it, you know? Um, yeah, he's just busy. He, he just doesn't want to take the time to do it. And I think a lot of 13-year-olds, so, so you know, I'm, I'm dealing with tube type ones. So it's really funny looking, looking at that because so many families that I know, every family that I know is just one. And so you're trying to take their personality and work with that you know, like knowing what you know about their personality, how can I make this make sense to them or make them want to do it? Yeah. And I'm having to battle two diff- very different personalities. So I, I, I think that, you know, my husband and I, we have to be kind of delicate about how we approach each kid with it. You know, like how, how do we make this make sense right. uh, and not terrify them? But, you know, I think maybe we even use that tactic at some point. I think, um, there's that saying that's escaping me right now, but the sentiment of it is as a parent, if you do everything that you see as well as you can, and, and even let's just say you do it really well, you do it right, there'll just be something else later that they're like, oh, but you didn't do this. <laughs> so it feels like a, um, I mean, th- is thankless the right word, being someone's parent? <laughs> Maybe thankless is the right word. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Um, and you, you just can't. No matter what, I think people go through stages and I don't know that you can stop them from doing it. I, I was I was saying this to Kelly, I think recently, where let's see if I can put my thought together around this. I see people's it happened to us and I see it happen to other people all the time, right? Your kids are diagnosed with diabetes. It's a good example because, well, you know, the theme of the podcast and all. But this happens with other stuff. So you get you get diagnosed with diabetes, and your first thought is, I'm going to create a life for my kid that is normal. Like, I'm going to shoot for normal. And that's not really, I mean, I, I don't want to be a bummer, Malia, but that's 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 hard to get hit. You know what I mean? Like, oh, sure. absolutely normal. You can get, you can hit it in places like, oh, my kid doesn't think about it very often, which is great. You know, it hits them once in a while, but not every day or you know, they, for the most part, take care of themselves and don't ignore things. But like, you know, Arden's been on the podcast. You heard her. Like, there's things she doesn't do that she's supposed to do that I make up for, Kelly makes up for. Um, You know, you say it doesn't affect the other person, the other kid, but it does. Like, there's no way around it. You know, I, I think I'm a person, for example, who has split their time between their two children as well as possible. And I'm sure that didn't make, I'm sure it didn't do what I thought it was going to do, right? Like, because no mm-hmm. matter what, Arden looks like she's getting more attention, no mm-hmm. matter what. Um, and it, so this normal or this perfection that everybody's shooting for, I, I don't think it exists. 
And I actually don't think it would have existed without diabetes either in, in our example. I just, think, I just think that diabetes speeds it up so quickly. Like you have something to blame. You know what I mean? Like you have context all of a sudden. Like, you know, I don't know. But it's anything. Gaining weight, getting sick. Um, it happens so slowly, you don't notice it happening. And so it can kind of overtake you bit by bit. But when diabetes comes, it comes in a wash. And you can't ignore that this seems like the reason why everything is the way it is. So I'm going to guess that without diabetes, why it would just not be doing something else he's supposed to be doing when he's 30. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And probably isn't doing that thing either, by the way. <laughs> Whatever it is. But then we, then we point it back at the diabetes. And we're like, well, see, if they didn't have to go through this then this wouldn't be happening and I wouldn't be upset about it. And, you know, but I think the real, I think the real end of the story is what you said earlier, which is my husband and I are upset when he doesn't bowl us because we think about long-term issues, but that's really what we're all worried about. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Low blood sugars today, long-term issues later. Mm -hmm. And then how do you, how do you as a parent, gracefully manipulate the way people are so that they're more on their side of themselves succeeding and less on the side of themselves failing. And uh, I don't know how to do that. Like, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? I keep thinking, you know, especially listening to this podcast and you, and, you know, I listen to people who've been on the podcast before who are 30 years in, you know, as adults, I guess that say, Oh yeah, I was there. And it just took growing up. It just took me some time. And it's sort of like, um, you know, this is the way I think of it. It doesn't make it easier in the moment, but I think about, you know, let's just say like an addict or um, anything really. It's just like, I had to, I had to be there. You know, 10 people who love me could be standing over me saying, this is the best thing for you. But until I was ready to do it, it wasn't going to happen. Talk about how um, frustrating that is. It's very frustrating. Yeah. But of course, as with diabetes, what we do is we, we, of course, fill in the gaps, like you said. Mm -hmm. um, but, it, and I, I don't want to say this to my kids, that's exhausting as a, for a parent, you know, to do, you know, and you're doing full-time jobs and, you know, taking care of the other child and running them to practices and doing all the things. And so my husband and I say to them all the time, if we could just get a little help, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, wait until they're like, you know, 10 years older, 20 years older and you're having a thoughtful conversation one day and you're thinking, oh, it all worked out. Like the kids' blood sugars are still pretty good as adults and they seem like they're doing okay. And they turn to you and say, you know, you didn't do enough. <laughs> Here's where you let me down. You're like, oh, you let me down. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I'll tell you of all the things, I think of all the things that aren't fair. <laughs> and of course that list is very long, but, <laughs> but one of them is it, it's so, it's so frustrating to be there and be willing and not just be willing, but be excited to help somebody and have them just completely ignore it because they don't have the same perspective as you do. So mm -hmm. everything you say to them seems ridiculous. Hence the old, like, you know, you'll see one day or, you know, what a mom say to daughters, like, I hope you have one just like you or to sons, like, I, you know, like, you know, so you'll learn. And that one day I'm just staying alive long enough for you to come find me and apologize. <laughs> like, how the hell is that the cycle? You know what I mean? But it's worldwide. And it's, you know, it's, I don't know. It's crazy. It is. It is. I do see 
I do, I try to find the silver lining in everything. It doesn't always work, but I do see, especially with Wyatt, um, that he's more empathetic with people. Um, so, you know, and, and my husband have said that we thought, you know, this is something, this is actually a gift maybe that he got from that. Like he does recognize probably over, you know, when most kids wouldn't, um, somebody in a tough situation. So I don't know if that's because of the, of what all he's been through, but, um, Oh, but there know. is that Malia that that the testosterone is going to hit him pretty hard pretty soon. <laughs> He's going to start stepping over babies to get to video games. <laughs> Be like I don't care about anything. I I don't know. I um, it, it's uh, it's it's an it's an I see. You know what? This is what you know. What makes sense, Malia? Why sex feels so good? Because if it didn't, why would anyone make a baby? <laughs> <laughs> it's the only it's the trick to get you to do it again the trick yeah. it is the trick you're right yeah, yeah. that's that's the thing that's true you're being tricked by your genitals malia into making a little person who will not listen to anything that you've learned <laughs> and and when you're young and a parent you're like you, you know how it goes right like we all think that our parents were terrible and we figured it something out and i i think for the most part the part of that that's true is, is that your par- your parents start somewhere, they ascend as far as they can, and then you, based on what you've learned, what you've seen, try to ascend a little farther, right, in understanding and knowledge or whatever, and, you know, how you love, whatever. You, so you ascend a little farther, and then you're like, I did it. I won. I'm the best I've ever been. Like, I saw my grandmother. She didn't give a care about anybody else. My mom and dad, I'm clearly better than them obviously, you know, they didn't try, I'm trying, you know, all the stuff that you like, you fill your head with when you're young. And then you lay it out for your kid. And you're just like, Hey, here it is. Like, you're lucky because I've called the genius of the world. It's all right here for you. And they're like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're old. And you're like, yes. Oh, yeah, we get that. Okay, great. And and you just realize like, this is the cycle. But there's no payoff. Malia, there's not. Are you there's not. No, Malia. There's literally no payoff. <laughs> I assume. I don't mean to make light of this, and I'm not. But this is what rolls in the back of my head. I figure that I will get everybody somewhere comfortable, and I'll take one breath and start thinking about what I'm going to do for myself, and like a mountain's going to fall on me. <laughs> I know. I know, right? <laughs> you know, and I'm just going to be like, oh, and I'm going to have enough time to look up and go, oh, look landslide. Nah. Okay. And then it's going to be over. Or 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 I'm going to like get to that point and my body's going to break on me and I'm just going to be stuck in a chair going, this is what I did. This is what I did yeah, with my this life. This is my payoff. <laughs> so the point is for me, then we're going to find out what the point is from you, is I just treat life in, in this regard. I mean, almost the way I treat diabetes or the podcast or anything. Right. Like I put my best into it and I hope that it pays back. And if it doesn't, at least I didn't waste my time. I I did my part is the way I end up feeling about it. And, you know, I try to listen to the people who listen to the podcast, you know, see what they need. I I listen to my kids. I think I'm doing what they need. But the truth is, is that no matter what I do, someone's going to be disappointed and you're just not going to. I don't know. This is such a bummer, Malia. Why did you come on and make me feel like a bummer? <laughs> there's, 
I'm sorry. All right, here, here's the message. You can't win, give up. <laughs> just no. <I'm, laughs> you can't win, give up. <laughs> but that's not true though. Like because it, it's bigger picture than that. Because your kid is going to ascend a little above you, and it's going to keep happening. You have to care about generations that you're not going to meet to be a good, sure. to be a good parent, really. Do you know our our motto in this home? Like we talk because you know, as t- you have teenagers, right? So you just constantly feel like you're just like do this, do that. Do, did you do this? Did you do that? And so you know, when they look at you with that kind of crazy look, and I said, "What have I always said to you? Like, who do I want you to to be?" And they're like, "You just want to raise a good human being." <laughs> so, so I'm like, "Look, that's my that's just my total end goal. I just want to raise a good person." Oh. You know, past that, I'm going to fail at some a lot of things. Yep. And this is it. And it's not even failure, by the way. I, I mean, I don't look, listen, you guys know me pretty well from listening to the podcast. Like, I put a ton of effort into my family. And still, like, it's not like, it's not like when I get done here, the house turns black and white. And it's like, leave it to Beaver. You, you know what I mean? Like, every, I have all the same problems everybody else has. Sure. You know, and the only thing that I can model for people listening is do the right thing, be consistent about it, do it for the right reasons. And if you're lucky, things will break your way sometimes. Like, I don't know. Like, if you're looking for perfection, I (laughs) I certainly don't have the answer to that. Um, But nobody else does either. No, of course not. Yeah, I gave up on that a long time ago. Good for you. (laughs) Look at you, Malia. That's perfect. Let's not let go the whole way you know what i mean i don't want you mainlining <laughs> during the day and stuff like that like, uh, but but you almost it's interesting isn't it because you can almost see how it happens to people like 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 big addictions and and, and escapism and things like that like you you, you see why it, i mean i don't know like i feel okay today but i don't know how i'll feel next week or what's going to happen or you know, when I'm going to fall apart, if I'm going to fall apart, if I'm not. I mean, Arden's blood sugar got low overnight last night. I don't even know how. Dexcom alarmed, got right up, went into her, boom, boom, boom. She's fine in a couple of minutes. We're back at it. But we're six weeks away from her going to college. Actually, I'm looking at my calendar. We're five weeks away from her going to college. Wow. So what am I going to do when she gets low five weeks from now? Because she will. Right. Right. A call on the phone, like, you know, she's going to be 13 hours by car away with, you know, a few girls she met online so far. Wow. So, uh, wow. Is that the thing that's going to break me, Malia? <laughs> <laughs> like, no? I met, I met a family um, through JDRF and it's kind of funny how we got connected with JDRF, but um, I met a family and he, his daughter was at, away at college. And I said, Oh, I, you know, I mean, our kids were, you know, six and seven, maybe at that time. And he said, um, you know, I was always very nervous about her going to college. And so he said, this was, you know, we had a plan. And I said, oh, well, what was your plan? And he said, well, I told her that if she got low in the middle of the night and I called her three times in a row and she didn't answer, my next call was going to be the, to the to police department and they were going to bust her door down. <laughs> so he was like, we have an understanding. I was like, oh, that's your plan. Well, see, that's so- a nice plan, except... I walked into Arden's room and I was like, Arden, 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 Arden. She doesn't hear him. Like she's asleep. Yeah. So I I don't know what to do. I yeah, to be perfectly honest with you, I looked back, I didn't hear it for the first 15 minutes. Like I looked at when she got low 
and when the alarm started, and it took me 15 minutes to wake up, mm-hmm. and my blood sugar wasn't low. I'm just old and useless. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the same thing happened to me last night. Uh, Wyatt dropped to 50, and the alarm had been going off, and I didn't wake up until, you know, it did. Mm-hmm. Until I did. And then I thought, how long did I lay here before? Yeah, all this <laughs> happened. Up. Do you ever um, have a low blood sugar for a kid and fix it? And then think to yourself, common sense tells me to look at the other one, but I'm just going to hope and then crawl back in bed and somebody else gets low or high or something like that. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I, I I, cannot tell you how many times that I have fixed a low, got back into bed, and I'm just exhausted. And I like it's one of those feelings where I think I'm, as soon as I hit this bed, I'm going to fall back to sleep. But then I think to myself, is that going to work? Is that juice going to work? Um, or, Hey, I didn't look at, you know, Sophie's number. And so I lay there for a second. And then I think to myself, you have to look (laughs) (laughs) or you have to stay up and wait 15 minutes. I did that. So it happens to me all the time. Yeah. I did it last night because the juice caught it, but I was like, it's caught. It'll be okay. And I went back to bed and like two minutes later, she texted. She's like, I need something to eat. I can feel this. And I was like, okay. So I came into her room and I was, and she's like, I think I gave her three gummy bears and a cookie and she's eating the cookie. She goes, this is the best cookie I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and uh, she wasn't kidding. <laughs> and so I said, I said, well, I'm glad. And then I just like the way Arden's room is set up. I'm now standing there. I have a t-shirt on. I'm in my underwear, the air conditioner. And I don't want to complain about having air conditioning, but was blowing at me. <laughs> there was nowhere for me to go. And I thought, well, I'm not going to leave until this thing registers two two checks. So for 10 minutes at 3.30 in the morning, I was scrolling the news, freezing, Mm. and rubbing Arden's back at the same time. She's like, hey, rub my back while you're here. I was like, okay, great. (laughs) So I'm doing all that. By the way, this is long past me remembering how good it felt having sex to make Arden. (laughs) So that's way gone. Yeah, that's out the window. (laughs) Way, way gone now. Uh, And and like, so there's nothing to lean on, really, except I like her. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay. (laughs) And um, I get back in bed and Kelly says, how are we going to send her to college? And I was like, oh, that's usually my line. Like, that's usually something I say after stuff like this, you you know? Mm. And I was like, oh, God, now she's thinking about it. Great. Like, okay. So... I don't know what the answer is going to be. I have no idea. I can tell you I looked at the low blood sugar. I can't believe she got low. So, I mean, it was three hours after a bolus. And I was just like, I mean, it was one of those things that I would have bet against. And then there it was anyway. So, I don't know. I have a, so, I have a question for you just in thinking about all of that. Mm-hmm. When she goes away, do you think that you will be less bold with like during those nighttime hours you would make some adjustments just to make you guys feel better or see how it goes or listen i'm very close to telling her that she can't eat after 9 p.m like (laughs) like a freaking gremlin or whatever that movie was yes the gremlins i know it was midnight but i'm gonna change it for my uh for my movie uh can't feed it after nine o'clock so i mean i mean really that's this is the thing you're guarding against right is like a low when you're really asleep Mm-hmm. So she came home last night from a, from a, uh, what it was a, uh, like a graduation party. These kids are just all collecting money off of each other at this point. Cause they graduated <laughs> from high school. Um, she comes home. There's a little bit of swimming, but not a lot. 
Her blood sugar was fine throughout the evening. I thought she did a good job with the bolus she made while she was at the party. She gets home. I don't know if it's like 11 o'clock. Her blood sugar is a little high. It's like 145 or something like that. She's like, uh, hey, I'm going to pre-bolus this and have some chocolate-covered pretzels. And I was like, okay. So she did. She bolus. She got in the shower. She got out of the shower. She created a fall like she wanted. She ate her pretzels. She leveled right out. And um, three hours later, her blood sugar started falling. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, I guess I could move with her, but that seems cliched. Um, (laughs) Well, I think I've heard you say before, you know, everybody's done this thing before. I think we've struggled with school. Um, Like, you know, things are going at school. And I, I listened to one where there was a mom teacher on there. And then you made the comment, you know, hey, everybody's done this before. We're all going to be good, right? Yeah. Well, that's just me being positive and doing the right thing. <laughs> I mean, you guys, like, you hear the podcast, right? Like, you know what I'm really doing sometimes. Like, look, just hope for the best. <laughs> Point yourself in the good direction and hope for your best. I, I, I mean, look, I don't know what to say. Most days, most hours, even most nights, it's not a problem. And mm-hmm. then until it is. Have your kids ever had seizures? No. Have you ever come close? No. Never. Never been in a situation no. where you're like, oh, this is tilting the wrong way. No. And but their A1Cs are higher. You were saying they 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 really are. Yeah, we we've got to get them down. Okay. So you're just you're you know you're trading the one thing for the other thing. We are. Yeah. Sure. Great. I don't know what to say. I don't. I, this is the episode where I come out and tell everybody, I don't know. <laughs> just, just give up. No, <laughs> just give up. no I mean, um, I don't know. We're trying to be honest, right? So it's, absolutely. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, you do your best and it starts with understanding diabetes. It starts with understanding how insulin works so you can make the best decisions you can. And there, from there, you you march on forward and, and hope the variables don't conspire against you. That's mm-hmm. pretty much it, right? And if they do, you stand up and pull out the tools that I gave you and beat them back and get level and start over again. Like, it's uh, it's not fair. It's just what it is. So, But if it wasn't this, it'd be something else. So there's that's that's always. right. That is right. <laughs> Not that this I do is- think it's funny though when you when you know in listening to this these podcasts and then us having this conversation, you know even our grandparents who want to be so involved with their care and and obviously want to be tremendous great caregivers, um, really don't even have an understanding of what this life is like. It's just you know, and they want to, they want to, and they still can't. They still don't really even fully understand it. So I think that. It's there's just so much involved. And I think that most people would not know that. Oh, down to little things. Like I don't drink to begin with, but if I did, how would I do that? Like how would I be like how could I, I don't know, have a couple at the end of the night and fall asleep in a way that you're not gonna wake up till the morning? I can't do mm-hmm. I can't do that, can I? You, you know, like I mean, how do you I mean, how do you do any of it? Like it's and they would never one generation back, they would never think of that. They would have no reason to. And if they had diabetes a generation back, even if you had diabetes as a kid, Malia, how old are you? I'm 41. Okay. Even if you had diabetes as a kid, it, it, you know, it would have been a different situation. Of course. Yeah. So they're mostly, yeah, they still wouldn't know. I mean, they'd have, 
that's unfair. I guess they would have more of an idea. They'd see lows and things like that. But but not those kind of like crazy, you used to be 110 20 minutes ago and now you're 50 lows. You, you know, like that, that insulin, for the most part, I guess, unless you forgot to eat, didn't work that way. But I'm just saying, like it was a different world. And I take your point that there's no way they would know. So well, why did you want to come on the podcast? It wasn't to bum me out. I know that. Mission accomplished anyway, Malia. So um, here's what you wrote. Ready? Preteen teen struggles with type one, issues at school, and struggles for yourself as a parent. Right? That does sound like a bummer. All of that sounds very, very. <laughs> okay, you, didn't, you didn't write anything in here about the flowers blooming or me staying alive to see the next, you know, Marvel movie or anything like that. There's all, uh, this is all just bummers. So. I mean, I think we've gone through with your son. He doesn't bolus. That's great. What does your daughter do that's a, a struggle? Um, she does pretty good with um sh- so she she has a little bit more of the thinking of long term. So she she does try to make you know, she'll tell us, hey, I pre-bolus, this is what I'm doing. Um, she, on the other hand, is just super forgetful. So we might, you know, make it out the door and we're like, hey, do you have everything? <laughs> that you need. Oh yes, I do. I do. And then we get to a restaurant or whatever, and we have to turn around and come back home. Uh, we've done that many times. So, but she really does think about more of the long term. So their personalities are super different. in in that regard, he's just living in the moment and she's, she's a planner for the future, but she forgets in the moment. (laughs) Okay. So, and why it doesn't think in the, well, why well, doesn't think about the moment either? <laughs> and then he look what well, he kind of does. Like it's funny because he doesn't think long term, right? Right. Also, I guess in the moment, if he's not pre bolusing, but like when we get to a restaurant and she's forgotten her stuff, he's like looking at her, like, "Are you serious?" Oh my god! <laughs> Almost like he's so perfect, and so we look at each other, my husband and I do, and we're like, "Okay, don't forget you made this mistake yesterday." <laughs> like, oh, Malia, I don't listen. I, this is going to sound harsh. If my children ever hear this, I apologize. But you, what are you hearing when you're talking? Go ahead, say it. <laughs> you shouldn't have had kids. I <laughs> and not because of the diabetes, just all of it. <laughs> My husband that we were we went to the lake last weekend and we're sitting on the boat, just you know, enjoying the day and kids the kids are like, I'm bored. Oh, okay, hold on. <laughs> you know, whatever they're saying. And I look at him and I was like, This was your idea. He was like, This was your idea. <laughs> I like that they're bored. Right. It's amazing. My, I don't know about your summer vacation, Emily. I'm, you know, about 10 years older than you. I'd wake up in the morning, eat a bowl of cereal, watch television, walk outside, stare at my friends, walk back inside, have a sandwich. It wasn't good, in case you're wondering. It was like fluffy white bread with like two pieces of pretend meat in between it and some mustard. And, um, and then I'd stare at my friends, stare at the TV, eat some crappy food, get yelled at, go back to bed. Your kids are at a lake going, what's all this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what we tell them. And you know what, though? Like when we did that, like we we entertained ourselves in the summer. I don't know that we did anything more than that, you know, but I was good with that. <laughs> Malia, one summer I taught myself to shoplift because I was so bored. I didn't even <laughs> want to. I was just like, huh, I got it. I need something to do. So that's amazing hey you think you know what i think that they i can't get arrested anymore right it's a long time ago <laughs> i don't so, think so. so there's gonna be a time limit on that right yeah let's go with that so there was this um <laughs> do you remember at one point 
like Walkmans, obviously. But do you remember oh, when course. they put TVs in them? No. At one point, you could get this little handheld thing that would, it had like a TV tuner in it. It had a little screen. It was like two inches by one inch, and you could watch TV on it. You don't remember, I don't that, remember at all? that? I lifted no. one of those out of a Kmart. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I don't know how old I was. Um, it was my shining moment of shoplifting. I don't think I ever did it again after that that I can recall. And I don't remember. And now all the Kmart's are closing. That's probably why. You think it's me? <laughs> do you want to know what tactic I used? Yeah, I do. I used, um, I walked out of there like I owned the place. <laughs> like I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. So I just did it in full view and just did it. And it just wow. worked. Nowadays, I'm sure there's cameras everywhere and probably not going to get away with that. But um, back then, I just picked it up and I was like, I'm going to leave with this. And uh, that was my summer. I spent my whole summer watching my stolen television. <laughs> and I felt really bad about it. The entire I time. was going to ask you how you felt afterwards. Yeah, horrible, actually. Thank you. It stuck with me for a really long time. I haven't stolen anything since then. Um, but uh, yeah, I just... Um, I, I took it back to my, and then you couldn't show it to anybody and I had to hide it and, you know. And it wasn't worth it. Yeah, it just, it sucked. But it did <laughs> eat up that summer. Oh my God, your, your, I, your kids at that lake are pissing me off, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> People are like, why do you like MASH, the television show MASH? And I'm like, well, you, let me tell you about the three months I spent in a room watching it because <laughs> that was my whole life. It, because it was on reruns and we didn't go on vacations or have, you know, money. <laughs> so, uh, so I just sat there watching MASH uh, in my formative years. Oh my gosh. Now I might listen, my kids' lives are like you should see the stuff arriving here to take to school with Arden. To the point where oh, I said I to Kelly, imagine. I'm like, how are we gonna get this stuff to where we're going even? I was like, we only own two cars. Like, <laughs> what do you what, you know, drop ship it from a parachute? Like, what's the plan here exactly? She needs that. I was like, I'm perfectly sure she doesn't need that. I I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Just show me These the kids, day. they have it so good. Oh my gosh. She's like, hey, I got <laughs> wallpaper from my dorm room. I'm like, I'm sure you didn't. Like, that seems wrong. No, it sticks up and it pulls right down again. It's just for the ball on the back of my bed. And I looked at Kelly. I'm like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, we should be, forget all this stuff. We should be fashioning a pot and pan system that is... <laughs> connected to each other by wire and when her phone vibrates it makes the pots clank like that's what we should be focusing on right now um but <laughs> instead uh, wallpaper that you can take back down again so anyway i hate your kids now for complaining about the lake Malia. <laughs> i know i know <laughs> um anyway uh, so okay so regular teen stuff but it just applies to diabetes there's nothing special here right you're not having any new experiences that you wouldn't have had with with regular teens, it's just that they're, they have diabetes. So it comes. Yeah. And I mean, I felt like we were kind of prepped for that, you know, early, early on in our diagnosis, you know, we were, we were told, Hey, the, you know, the teen years do get difficult. Um, I, I will tell you the one thing I wish I had, we had been prepped more for was all of the emotional side of it. Um, we just had to figure that out on our own. How so? Well, um, I guess the diabetes fatigue, you know, that hits everybody, uh, even parents. And, you know, when you're first diagnosed, you're just learning how to keep your kid alive, you know? Mm -hmm. 
and that's all you're focused on. And there's not like your doctor can give you all of the time in the world, right? Like they've all these other patients. So they just need to keep you to, you know, teach you to uh, keep them alive. Right. And then, you know, years into it, there's the emotional side of it. The, um, the diabetes fatigue is so real and, you know, and and even as parents, you know, we hit it. And I think sometimes maybe if we had known that was going to hit, I don't, maybe that's not true, but if we had known that we would have almost attacked it a little bit better. Um, well, the fatigue, I, you're, and you're just talking about like mentally not being prepared for it and physically being exhausted. Just the mental like weight, I think that, you know, it, it, the toll that it pulls you down to. Yeah. I, um, speaking of jealousy, when I see people who just kind of raise their kids, like it's all like kind of laissez faire, like, oh, it'll be fine. Yeah, I know. We found him in the park drunk. It'll be all right. Like, like that kind of thing. They just like let things go. And you realize how much of life doesn't need to be addressed if it's not going to give you a really low blood sugar and kill you (laughs) or give you a really high (laughs) blood sugar and like, I don't know, you know, cause long-term complications. So the other stuff is like, you know, you can skip things sometimes. Like, you know, sure, in a perfect situation, you'd be there to kind of parent through everything. But in a normal situation, there's stuff you can ignore. Like when Mm -hmm. when you're too tired or when you've just like, come out of a room having a, a, an argument with your spouse that left you thinking like, why in the hell am I with this person? Like, like, you know, like instead of having to come out the door and go, Oh, did you pre bolus When what you want to say is I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of leaving. <laughs> just like, you know, like, you know. And it's just because 20 years ago, <laughs> like, you know, like, I mean, when you're having big existential adult problems and your kid's blood sugar is low, you just throw those things away and you go take care of the low blood sugar, right? You don't, right. you don't have time to go through your thoughts. Not that you're going to leave, but you don't have time to go through your thoughts. You don't have time to, to, uh, tend to yourself, um, or the, the problems you might be having. You just keep pushing them off and pushing them off. And you, you know, what do you think? You think like, Oh, one day they'll get it old enough. They'll take care of it themselves. And then, yeah. Right. And then Malia, you'll be 65. So, well, you yeah. know, speaking of that and I, I, I know it had to have been on one of the early, like forever ago podcasts that I listened to, but um, I, I think too, knowing in this, so talking about knowing some of the mental stress, right? Like is, is knowing the toll that it's going to take on your marriage. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think back on some of our argument, every, everybody argues, right. But like to think about some of our arguments and they've either started because of our stress from, you know, diabetes, or we let it go Mm. to a place where it shouldn't, we shouldn't have let it go over, over their blood sugars. All of my Um, arguments about my kids. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. For us, it's because we both care about them so much. Of course, of course, but it doesn't feel like that in the moment. (laughs) No, if one of us was just a slack, a slacker as a parent, I think it would be fine. I think we'd actually be better off because then one person would just defer to the other person. And instead, we both have pretty strong views about things. And we're thinking about them constantly and trying to, like, you know, I don't know. Like, maybe some of that 70s thing where I looked up and realized, like, my mom doesn't even know I'm alive. <laughs> like, maybe <laughs> I maybe I would be nice if I had some of that mixed into me. But I don't. So, you know, you're, you're busy trying to help or advise or handle or whatever. And you're doing it for a person who generally speaking, does not care. <laughs> like they, they care, but they don't really care. You know, you know what I mean? They're like, oh, it's nice. My mom seems to like me, but they don't see the big picture because how could they? 
and then you know you get together privately like i i mean the last thing that my wife and i argued about that wasn't about what was good for the kids i don't even know what it is i couldn't even begin to tell you right maybe we would if we had time (laughs) exactly i don't know (laughs) exactly yeah yeah so i'm sorry you were making a point and i just I walked all over you and now I don't know what your point was. No, no. I just, I just think about that. We, well, my husband, I think about that often just the, um, and so like after Sophie was diagnosed, we kind of, we had to wreck it. It went on for several months where we just probably were like just living in this everything diabetes world. I, I don't know that we talked about anything outside of the kids' blood sugars for several months until we woke up one day and we were like, we can't, we can't go on like this. Yeah. No, it's depressing. (laughs) It is. But you know what? When we recognized it, and so like I think I told you, I I mentored a couple of families with JDRF, and um, I thought that was so important to talk about because you know you you all of us can be just consumed in our kids, right? With everything, even if you don't live in the world of diabetes. But then you throw that in, and you got to remember to be good to each other too. You know? Yeah. Well, even even at. other people are consumed with their kids, but not at three in the morning, usually. You of know, course not. Yeah, yeah, they actually sleep. <laughs> right. They're like, I don't understand what your problem is. I'm like, okay, I'm coming for you, too. Just, you know, I, yeah, I, I, arrested people make me upset. <laughs> it's like, what, why do they look like they slept so damn well? <laughs> they need problems. <laughs> I couldn't believe that. So, like, when we first got diagnosed, I think, Wyatt, we went probably a year, maybe a year and a half with no CGM. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting on the couch one day. And so I would tell my husband about it. And, you know, we were so new and we were just going on the advice of our endo, right? We didn't really have any connections, didn't have this podcast. I didn't have anything like that. And so I remember sitting on the couch and I said, I really want to, I really want to get this. And he was like, well, but, you know, they said it's not necessary for us to do right now. And I just started bawling, crying. And I said, "I, I haven't slept in a year and a half. I haven't slept. And so of course, you know, think about that. You would get up and you would do a finger stick. And if he was 80 and I say he, cause it, we didn't have that diagnosis yet with Sophie, but like if, if, if the blood sugar was okay, I had no idea which direction it was going to go. And so I would try to lay back down and I'd think, well, now what? Yeah. And so I was setting alarms. I, I think it was like every two hours mm-hmm. and, and most, I was just, I just never slept. <laughs> most of the time when you got up and tested again, were you happy that you did or were you ever like, because it's funny, it doesn't matter. Like if they're low, it's not like you're like, I was right. And it, 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 you know what I mean? You're just like, okay, take care of it. And if they're steady, it's not like you go, well, I guess I can go to sleep now because the next number doesn't tell you much more than the first one did. At right. Least it, doesn't exactly. give you the, it doesn't give you the relief of, of, I don't know. I guess some people are okay, like can just let it go, but it sounds like you couldn't. I couldn't. And it, it, I think a lot of that was because of just research I had done on my own because, you know, really in the beginning, I, we weren't told to even do nighttime finger sticks. I mean, that's just the truth. Right. And um, we just were told to do four a day. And I couldn't make sense of that because I was like, if I'm not going eight or 10 hours during the day without doing it, why would I do that at night? Um, so I just couldn't do it. I couldn't let it go. And I just, I, ne- I never slept. And I, after about a year and a half, I just, I ended up begging for the CGM. And then we switched endocrinologists. And um, it, it, as soon as we were there, they said, we should do this. And I was like, yes, thank you. Yes, we should. Yes, and we should. they were like, um, get that lady a CGM. It's not even for the boy. It's for her. Give it to her. <laughs> she started it first. Yeah. Sophie started it before oh, he did, actually. Okay. okay. Well, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I take your point about the other thing, too. It's like I, I, I used to say, if it's important to know her blood sugar during the day because I don't want her to get low, why isn't it important at night? And nobody could ever answer the question. And I was like, well, it seems like it is. It seems like the answer was, well, Scott, because humans can't stay up for 24 hours a day. <laughs> so you're going to have to sleep. Somewhere. Oh, I did. I did. <laughs> I was good at it. Not really. No, I was good at it at one point. I didn't have to go to sleep until like, I I I kept it going for a while. Like I didn't have to go to sleep till two two thirty in the morning, and I could still get up at six thirty. Like I was okay. And then one day, I don't know if I hit a certain age. I don't know what happened, but I remember thinking like, I, I can't do this anymore. Like I just yeah. I just like can't. Well, long term, I, you know, that's, that's kind of where I was too. I did it for like a year, year and a half, whatever that timeline was. And I, we, you know, our friends would say, I just, I don't know how you do it. And I would, my response was, you know, I I guess my body's gotten used to this. Right. And so uh, even now, um, almost nightly, I wake up at like two, three, just, I mean, you know, and I'll glance at my phone and I think it was, you know, all all those years that I set an alarm, I don't know if my body's used to it or not, but um. In the beginning, I was just exhausted, and then I got used to it. Hmm. I know that is what you tell yourself. I'm used to it now. Like, yeah. <laughs> Long term, that's probably not good for us. <laughs> no, no, we'll be dead. Like that'll that'll be it. Yeah, that, and our kids will be super ungrateful. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Forget the mountain falling on me. That'll be what happens. Like I'll hear like a you know like a, those old wind up kitchen timers. <laughs> so, like you know what I mean? Like the, you, the we used to have them on our stove. Does anybody remember these? The little yes. yeah, your kitchen timers. Well, yeah, I thought you were like, I don't know what you're talking about, old person. No, no, I'm with but, you. Okay, so now <laughs> Walkman thinking, with the TV, you lost me on that one. But <laughs> hey, listen, you weren't technologically forward like I was. When I, I was guess child, not. <laughs> so. But I'm thinking now, instead of like everybody's okay and everybody's settled and a mountain falls on me, I'm just going to hear like that timer go off in my like in my chest or something. Like it'll go like ding, 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 ding. And I'm like, oh, good, I'm done. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I, I and the truth is, is that I'm. I don't even know what to do. I, I brought this up on the show recently, but we, um, we, Kelly has a, like, I don't have a real job, but Kelly does, you know? So like we moved our 401k, like she had had, she had like two of them from two companies that she'd worked out for a long time. So we put them together with a person who's managing it. And as the paperwork was being done, the guy says, so uh, what do you want to do when you retire? And I thought, like, I don't know. I, I have no idea. I couldn't think of anything. I just couldn't think of anything. And mm-hmm. and I felt ridiculous. So I just, I, I said something kind of flippant. And I was like, oh, I'll get back to you. But I can't even think about myself long enough to imagine what I would do when I would be retired. Right. And that's terrible. You know? Like, I just was like, I don't know. Like, will the kids need something? Because <laughs> <laughs> I could do that, you know? Um I remember I used to like things, but I, I don't know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I feel like I've drugged this down. <laughs> you really did, Malia. You beat me up. <laughs> this is this is your fault completely. So um, I stalked you a little on Facebook, so I know who you are now. Okay. So we're all set. Um, tell I me don't do a lot of Facebooking, but doesn't matter. There's th- there's, there's some things there. Enough pictures here. I can pull it together. I know what I'm looking at. Um, you said you vol- you, you've talked a couple of times about volunteering and mentoring people and stuff like that. How long were you able to do that before you're like, why am I talking about diabetes in the five free seconds that I have? 
Yeah. Well, first of all, I will tell you that I think I mentioned that when I filled out all the stuff that, you know, like when I would listen to your podcast, like I travel for work, I'm in the car all the time. And so I would listen to the podcast all the time and I would feel like I was gaining this knowledge. And then at some point I was like, I have to take a diabetes break. Well, not from the podcast, Malia, but I understand what you're saying. Go ahead. It was kind of like that when we, we, so we've been super involved with diabetes. My husband and I have, we've, you know, helped to raise a lot of money. He's, um, he's actually currently, um, the president of the Kentucky chapter, ShadyRF, and I served on the board. And but we, it was all by accident. Um, at the time, I worked for my family's business, and they would bring JDRF would bring um, for an outreach event. They'd bring kids out to my family's business. They have like a pumpkin patch, and so I had worked with that group for years um, with no connection. And I loved the guy that did the outreach. He was a type one himself. His mom was type one. Um, I knew his story before we ever even, you know, had any real life experience with diabetes. And he called me one day and said, oh, we're, you know, I just need to plan my fall uh, event for all the kids to come out. And so I like about started crying on the phone and I said, well, I've, you know, joined your group, your family. Um, And he was, he's not with the organization anymore, but he was so great at, just reaching out just a little here and there, not an overwhelming amount, but he, um, he got us involved with more of the outreach stuff, not really the fundraising. Um, and then over time, about a year later, um, he said, you know, I think it would be, we have this mentoring program and we have families. We try to connect you with kids, you know, in around the same age. Um, so I started doing that and I did that for a couple of years and I'm still, we're still very close with those families. You know, we still see them, Mm-hmm. Um, a couple times a year and sometimes talk, you know, through um, text messages or whatever. But um, so I did that for a couple of years. And I will tell you that right now where we are with that is we've given so much, like we put on a walk um, or we did a run actually um, for about eight years at that same family business. And it was all for, you know, fundraising through JDRF and, mm-hmm. We did that for years. And so now we've kind of reached the point where we're like, okay, we're going to let a younger family kind of take this over. Um, so we did it for a while and it can be, it's good. It's all for a great cause, but it can be really overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, you described that you're already overwhelmed, you know, and then you take on this thing, which is very kind, obviously, but I just thought like, can't possibly do that forever. Right. No, yeah. no, you can't. And we had to say that to her. It's actually, it was just this year that my husband and I sat down and we said, okay, we can't, we just can't keep this up. Like, it's just not good for us, you know, but it was really good in the moment, like in all these years for the kids to see, um, you know, they know we're, that we're fighting for all of our kids probably know that we're fighting for them, right? We're advocating for them, doing all the things, but I think it was good for them to see, um, not just with JDRF, but other things that my husband and I would do to involve ourselves in helping other people. Mm-hmm. I think that too. I'm waiting for it to pay me off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, maybe it'll be paid off in the sense that our kids saw it and they'll do that too. <laughs> I, well, well, listen, being serious, that's what I think it is. I think it's what I talked about earlier is that they'll, they'll sort of elevate above where I am and that'll be the new ground zero, right? That'll be the new starting point. And then, you know, they'll do the same thing in the world somehow. It doesn't mean they're going to have kids or not have kids. Just they're, they'll put that back in somehow, or they'll go live a happy life. There's part of me that, you know, it's funny as much as I think like 
I hope my kids have kids and like keep this whole thing going. There's another part of me. It's like, I, maybe they should just stay single and just have fun. Like some people have fun, right? Like why are, why am I the building block person and other people are the, the rave people? Like, how does that happen? You know what I'm saying? Malia, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, you're damn right you do. Oh, (laughs) I do. (laughs) Why am I trying so hard? And there are other people who are out at, uh, I don't know. Just living their best life. Yeah, in yeah. a field somewhere, dancing in a circle on Molly. Like, how, why is that happening? Like, how is it possible that I'm the one carrying the water and they're the one drinking it? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm not bitter at all. <laughs> no, no, I'm good. <laughs> I don't. I. I don't know. You know, in my personality, it's not like that. Like, I wouldn't have been able to like as a young person, just be like, I'm just going to be by myself and hang out and I'll ride this thing to the end. I had an aunt and uncle that did it. They were married. They were like, we do not want kids. They did everything they wanted to do. And, uh, they still died. (laughs) So, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? What's the saying? None of us are getting out of this alive. I think that's the one, you know? I don't know. Well, have, so we helped, have we helped anybody so far with this conversation? Or do you think we just bummed out a bunch of people whose kids just got diagnosed with diabetes? I know. I'm really feeling bad about that. <laughs> Listen, I, the truth is you could go put on another episode of the podcast where I'm also speaking honestly about things. And I'll tell you that, you know, do, do I need to remind them here, Malia? Uh, Arden's A1C has been between 5'2 and 6'2 for almost 10 years now. So, um, you know, it's a... Uh, there's a lot of good stuff that comes out of it too about the just sort of setting a course and sticking to it and having long-term perspective, not getting too bogged down moment to moment. Um, but I don't know. Well, listen, it might not surprise you. I record this podcast like almost every day. Every day isn't great for me. <laughs> you might've caught me on one of those days, <laughs> but I also think it's valuable to, be honest with people. Like it's not. I do too. Yeah. I do too. It, it, this thing is. I'm, I mean, honestly, that's what you were talking about with mentoring people, right? You said you didn't know how to. Like, how do you do this? And then you decided to be honest with them. It's, you know, this isn't great. It's yeah, not- it's sort of like, yeah. um, you know, when we first had a baby, and uh, you, you know, the first six weeks, we, you know, never slept. <laughs> and so I, is like my husband said to me. After, you know, I don't know, a few months, he said, gosh, if somebody would have just told us in the beginning, hey, it gets better. <laughs> right. He's like, I feel like I would have gone through that for six weeks a little easier. Yeah. And I looked at that, like with mentoring families, I thought, you know, you can ask all the tough questions and, you know, I'm going to tell you, you might not sleep some nights and all the things, but it's not all doom and gloom. It really isn't. Right. And, you know, we've, we've done okay. I believe everything I've ever said on the podcast. For the most part, if you bring me something crazy, I said back, I might say no to that. But, um, <laughs> but it is really it's time and experience, and you just sort of figure out what to do, and you do it. And at the same time, your people's kids are people; they're not like everybody's. In, everybody doesn't grow up to be the CEO of some big shiny company, like right. Like all of our kids aren't going to be professional musicians or athletes or whatever it is you're hoping for exactly. As a matter of fact, for most people, that's not going to happen. So it's not, um, I mean, it's fun to, it's fun to expect it, but the truth is, is you do your best, you learn things, it gets easier. And, you know, when you're really making problems, you course correct. Like when Malia didn't sleep for a while, she eventually said to herself, I, I need to stop doing this now. 
So that's it. That's the big stuff, right? I don't know. That's the big stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just pre bolus for God's sake. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I'm really hoping we'll get there and that's going to, but I, I think it's just going to take him deciding on his own. He's going to take more of a, the initiative to be a good caregiver for himself. What happens if you like just climb up his butt and don't and make it happen? Does that get pushed back? I think, you know, honestly, I think he would just rather us do it all the time. Oh, I see. Have you, you know what I mean? Have you considered just taking it for a little while until they get to a different age? You know, I, maybe that's what we should consider, but we were doing the, we were doing the opposite. You know, he went into sixth grade last year. He's going into seventh grade this year. And so we were like, okay, this is when we were in, in elementary school, we had the most wonderful experience you know, ever. Mm -hmm. And so we were always trying to prepare him for middle school where it would be a little different. And now Sophie's going to high school. So we're prepared. So there's all these different stages that we thought we were doing the right thing, you know, by just preparing him to be more responsible and more independent, which they are independent, but they're not right. Because they're not doing the things that they should be doing. Um, So I don't know, maybe that, maybe that would be the better thing to do right now. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I swear to you, I don't know. I wish I did. Like, the way I think of it is that they're kids and they're going to not be great at it, right? Of so course. Why don't I prop them up for a little bit and hope we can get to a place where they take over? I thought they kind of, both of them kind of butt heads with the school nurse <laughs> this past year. And I thought, this is, this is good. I'm going to use this, you know? And so... Uh, they didn't want to be pulled out of class, which I don't want them to do either. And uh, that was another nightmare. But they would say, you know, this is just she's just constantly sta- standing over me. And so I'm like, OK, yeah, hey, we can fix this. We right. can fix it. I've got a simple solution. Uh, don't let your blood sugar get out of range. Bullets for your food. And she will not come and find you. <laughs> yeah, that seems easy, doesn't it? And then did it happen? <laughs> Yes and no. Uh, he would tell her, especially Wyatt, he would say, I'm independent. You know, you don't have to do this. But then I would have to call her and say, hey, his blood sugar is 300. What is going on? And she's like, hey, he's independent. <laughs> yeah. He's independently screwing this up. So let's get going. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love- and he, that's what would happen. He would eat lunch and just be like, oh, I didn't. I didn't bolus. I forgot to. So it, it might be one of the most common answers from a kid. They're like, I've got this. And you're like, no, obviously you don't. <laughs> like, like, yeah. like all of our, all of the things that we measure this scenario with, um, <laughs> you have not scored high on. You failed. Yes. And now you're going to tell me I've got this. Like, I don't know what that even means. I obviously think, they I don't think it means, I think it means I'm going to ignore this and you should leave me alone. But, you know. And I don't even just mean diabetes, like on anything, like cleaning their room or something. And you're like, hey, uh, I'm having trouble walking in here. They're like, I've got it. I'm like, "Mm, okay. What if you insert the eye roll that they give to parents? What if you put that stuff in the closet? Then I wouldn't be tripping over it. And then, not for nothing, you'd have it. (laughs) So, you, you know, like, but it's just, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? Like, isn't it? Aren't people weird? They are very weird. <laughs> I don't think we're very far past being bugs, if I'm being perfectly honest. I saw some pictures the other day. Malia, here's how we'll end. Okay. Uh, new NASA photographs of space. 
if you felt small knowing that there were a certain number of planets in our galaxy, wait till you see pictures of other Milky Ways and things like that and realize that every little speck isn't a planet or a star. It's another, like, galaxy inside of another thing. Um, I'm pretty sure we're literally like bugs that figured out how to talk. <laughs> so, yes, yeah. probably so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hey, there's part of me that thinks that we should just all take our clothes off and run around outside again. Like just some people do that. Let's get let's stop with these houses and this idea that we're uh, evolved. <laughs> because when when seriously, when you take one of these things, one of these people, right, and they're they're they seem reasonable, and you say to them, "Your job is to keep your room clean," and then the room's not clean, and you say, "Hey, your room's not clean," and they go, "No, no, no I got it." <laughs> Yeah, it's fun. There's there's a real <laughs> disconnect there. <laughs> so maybe we should all just, I don't know, let's give up. Let's all go to Bonnaroo together. <laughs> no, we don't want to give up. We don't want to give up. <laughs> I don't know, Malia. I'm telling you, I know this is going to happen. That the, the There's going to be this moment. I'm going to take a big, deep breath. Then I'm going to get hit by a truck. <laughs> just, I know it. I just know there's no payoff for me at the end. I'm living in the moment, Malia. That's all. Not Sometimes well. that's not a bad place to be. Not well, let me just point out. Like, <laughs> well. it's not, as you heard earlier, I can't imagine what I would do with free time. <laughs> so <laughs> I I don't know. And and that's my mistake, too. I should be doing something with my free time. But I don't know. Like, so much happens around you. And as you get older, your parents start to get sick. Mm, and mm-hmm. and uh, and you, like, I just said, like, like, it's such a throwaway thing. But, like, you know, I like, my meniscus was torn in my knee, which I think happens to every person my age at this point. And so, you know, like, you know, I'm going to get this fixed. I know a guy, I've got insurance, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like eight weeks later and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm finishing up my rehab. And and before you know it, you're like, well, there's like a third of the year is gone so that my knee doesn't hurt. Mm. And then it's, you know, and then you're just like on to the next thing. Like, What's wrong with my mom? What does my brother need? What are the kids complaining about? Oh, it's a, a lake. Boring. Great. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> Kidding me. All right. What are we going to call uh, this episode? Drown them in a lake? No, that would be wrong. We're not doing it that. would be wrong, wouldn't yeah, it? We're not doing that. Uh, hit them with an oar? No, no, it's wrong. Too. Um, well, I'm glad you're sleeping. I am sleeping. I am sleeping. And we're actually, we're actually on um, Omnipod 5. So we just started that. Cool. and. Well, that's excellent. helping some too. Oh, good, good. I'm glad. I, I, I do want you to share with people, um, you didn't know how tired you were when you were tired, right? You, you needed hindsight to look back to see. Can you tell them how sleeping changed things for you? Well, mental clarity, that's, that is probably the, the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's hard to process anything when you're exhausted and it's hard to be a good person when you're exhausted. Yeah. I think I would overreact to everything. So just getting sleep helped me to process everything better. I was a better caregiver. Um, I was a better wife. I was a better mother. I mean, I think on sleep, we don't realize how important that is. But um, once we could figure out how to do that, we were better. It's one of the everything. It's one of the hallmarks of being the the parent of a kid with type one is finding a way to sleep. It's finding a way to sleep. Yeah. It's, and I'm, I, I mean, I hear that with other, you know, people that are come on the podcast and they'll say, I'm exhausted. I'm just exhausted. And, you know, I think any parent in general can really relate to that. But I mean, if you're, you know, a parent of a type one, 
you you really know what that means. Mm-hmm. It it's hard. Yeah. And do you think people listening are disappointed that I didn't make fun of Kentucky? <laughs> they might be. Yeah. Listen, I travel for a living and visit a lot of different states, and the the jokes on Kentucky are they're they're there are a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> are they unfounded or no? <laughs> they're not. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to Kentucky once. <clears throat> May I tell my Kentucky story here? Oh, of course. Okay. I went there for a wedding and we, Kelly and I actually, to to give a point like uh, about what we're talking about here is we decided to drive and we could have flown. It would have been easy. And we're like, instead, let's carve out a couple of extra days and take just take it easy and drive. And I, I've told people before on the way back from that wedding, I said to her, I was like, this is the best time I've had in such a long time. Like, just because we were just not doing anything. You know what I mean? Like Arden was somewhere with somebody and, you know, we could watch her blood sugar well enough and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so we weren't thinking about that too much. <clears throat> Saw some old friends, which was really nice. But one morning... This is going to sound stupid. I've never been to a Waffle House before. And I've just seen them. And I, if for anybody who hasn't seen one, it, it's it, it's a, I'm going to call it a restaurant because that seems like the only way to like quantify what it is. But it looks like a place where you look at immediately and think, I shouldn't go in there. Yes. Right? Like That's I just, a good description. Yeah. I, you look and you go, it exists. And I see people in there, but I know that this is wrong. I know that this is bad. There's no way this is good. It's going to be scary. And, um, <clears throat> but there was this one morning, it was after the wedding and Kelly and I didn't know where we were. And I was like, this is it, Kel. Uh, let's go to Waffle House. Like, let's do it. You know what I mean? Like, this is going to be the time. She's looking at me sideways. She's like, I don't know, man. I think this is wrong. It's like, nah, it'll be all right. And so um, we walk inside. Every table in the place is covered, littered, actually, with old plates and food. There are (laughs) five people working there, but they're not making any effort to clear the tables. And I look up and the guy says, uh, we're not seated anymore. It's takeout only. Oh, wow. And I'm like. (laughs) Okay. And then I start thinking like, well, they don't close for a long time. Like, what do you mean you're not sitting? And then I just realized they don't want to clean off the tables. So you can't sit down. <laughs> I was like, all right. I was like, well, I'll just order some. I said to Kelly, I'm like, should we eat in the car? And she's like, I, I, we should leave. And I was like, no, I, I think you're right. But like, we're here now we're inside. And so we order the stuff and um, pay for it. The guy hands it to me in a bag and I look in the bag and I'm like, there's no um, silverware in here. Like there's no like plastic knives and forks. And he goes, yeah, we don't have those. (laughs) I was like, I'm sorry, what? And he goes, "Um, yeah, we don't have. I said, but you told me I got to go outside and eat. And he's like, yeah, I'm like, but how am I? It's a waffle. Like, what am I going to do? And he just stared at me and he's staring at me and I'm staring at him. And I'm like, in Kentucky. You know, like, like is what I'm thinking, <laughs> right? And so, um, I don't we know. We do that... use silverware here, just well, so you know. You say. And so, <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I'm like, hold on one second. I'm sorry. <clears throat> sorry, Emily. I had to clear my throat. So I'm, um, I'm at a loss. I'm holding $25 worth of waffles and other sorts of things. Um, I have nowhere to go with them. And, uh, I said, could I take some silverware from the restaurant and I'll, bring it back 
And he goes, yeah. And he pulls two forks and two knives and he reaches out to me. And I said, all right, great. I said, I'm just eating in my car. I'll be back with him in a little bit. And you know what he said? You don't have Keep to, it. you don't have to bring it back. Just throw it away. <laughs> and I said, but I'm, I'm, I'm just 20 feet from the door. So when I'm done with it, I could just probably just bring it back to you. You know, I, I that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring it back to you. He goes, you don't have to. And I was like, okay. So I went out, we opened up the styrofoam. I mean, even as you see the styrofoam, you're like, what are we doing? This is ridiculous. <laughs> it's the worst waffle I've ever seen in my life. It's not great food. It really isn't. How in God's name does a place called Waffle House not produce a decent waffle? That's, you know, I've never really thought about that, but they really should work on that. Thin, like the sole <laughs> of an old sneaker. Okay. <laughs> Moist, not, not, not airy and crispy. <laughs> Everything was bad. The sides, the whole thing. My wife and I are looking at each other like, well, and she was, she had the upper hand at that point. Cause she's like, well, this is your fault. <laughs> you, you wanted to do this. So we finished all up and I collect up the garbage and, uh, I dropped it in a trash can and, uh, I took the silverware back in and I walked in and there are four people behind the counter and I walked in and I'm standing there and they just don't acknowledge my existence. <laughs> One of them's looking at me but not saying anything. And so I stood there for a second because I'm, I don't know, am I polite? I just thought they might have something on their mind or they're doing something. It took me a minute to realize there's nothing on their minds and they're doing nothing and still haven't cleaned off any of these tables. And so I just, I held it up in the air and I went, I, I have your silverware. And one guy walked past me when I said it. And then finally a girl came over and she's like, oh, thank you. And she took it from me. And, um, Anyway, I don't know if that's a Kentucky story or a Waffle House story, but probably well, maybe a little of both. <laughs> but there are some there are some great things here too. I listen. A lot of it was lovely. A lot of the trip was really lovely. Um, my Waffle House experience aside, that's so. not a place that we frequent. No, so. I knew it was wrong, Lee. You understand that, right? Like it's not oh, like yes, but I just had it in my head. I was like Waffle House. They, well, you they, got to experience it, though, so. Well, I have the experience now. I know <laughs> not to do it. Um, as a matter of fact, if Waffle House called right now and said, I want to be a sponsor, I'd say, I'm sorry. You cannot yeah, do this that. Yeah, this is not going to work yeah, out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's nothing good I could say about Waffle House. Um, I don't even know what to say. It was the, it was, the, it was, it was crazy. It was insane. And the entire time we were eating the food, just for context, there was someone cutting the lawn in front of us. <laughs> Very slowly. And I don't know why they were moving so slowly on this tractor, but it was just, I don't know. It was insane. There was garbage on the ground and ah, Malia. There are some lovely parts of the state. Yeah. Well, we got the hell out of there right after that. So <laughs> <laughs> the wedding was wonderful, honestly. And, um, and the seeing the people was terrific. And they like had a barn wedding on all this property. It was very cool. Like the whole thing was really great. Um, aside from the Waffle House. But okay. All right. I didn't hear you stick up too much for Kentucky just then, so I'm gonna let it go. It is a great place, but you will find some very unusual things also. So did you grow up there? I did. Yeah, okay. I did. Nice. That's lovely. But it's so funny because I travel, um, I'm all over the country, you know, with my job and I'll do a lot of work in Indiana. So just, you know, an hour away and people will hear me talk and they'll say, where are you from? Really? <laughs> I'm like an hour from you. 
you don't have much of an accent, in my opinion. Oh, thank you. I get. I actually get that a lot. With I, I, people tell me I have an accent. I mean, you do, but it's not thicker, harsher, so colloquial that I don't know what you're talking about or anything like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Good. That's good to know. Yeah. Good for you. Look at you representing Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you're like, I'm all over the country. I sometimes go as far as Indiana. Well, I just was making the reference, like making the reference that I go just an hour away and they say, You sound so Where far. Where are you from? Yeah. Hey, how often do you get to see the ocean when you're from the middle of the country? We make an effort. Okay. Where yeah, we make an Texas? effort. We, we go, you know, a couple of times a year. Which way do you go? South? South. Okay. Yes, so, usually. So like, so like Texas to that? No, no. Texas, no. Don't they have an ocean? We don't go to Texas. That's We're, just too far for us. Um, we really? usually go to like Florida. Dustin, Panhandle. Oh, oh, okay. to, like Dustin, like Florida. I that's not. You. That's ten hours. I don't know where anything is. Like when you said when you said like you go to another state, I was like, I don't know where that is. <laughs> We're at least eight hours away from any ocean. By by car. By car. Okay. Yes. So that's why we go to the lake a lot. That's what we do. We just we just find inland water. So your kids can complain about it. Do they complain exactly. about the ocean too, by the way? I don't find something to complain about, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're not exhausted anymore. So you're not going to snap and leave them there or something. <laughs> uh, maybe not. I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> They're staring at the ocean. You just look at your We're husband. too close to the end now, right? Like at this point, I'm just, I'm, yeah, we're, we're getting close. Wow. Yeah. 13 and 14. Oh, God. You have no idea. It's not even, <laughs> it's not even half over yet. Uh, good luck. I was trying to end it on a positive note. I feel like I've really drug it down. Yeah. No, no, no. I think you've made a, a, a listen, I've enjoyed this conversation. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but anyway, I appreciate you coming on very much. Thank you. I've really enjoyed this. Cool. I'm glad. Hold on one second. Okay. Let's start off by thanking Malia for coming on the show and sharing that terrific story with us. And we're going to thank CozyEarth.com and remind you to use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout to save 35% on your joggers, your sheets, your towels, whatever. What the fuck is this? Don't forget, you can get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com when you use my link, BetterHelp.com forward slash juice box. And you can take that survey at t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Right now, take you 10 minutes. Help everybody. Help yourself. t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. If you're looking for community around your diabetes, please check out the Facebook group Juice Box Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. It has 30... 5,000 people in it, I think. It grows so much it's hard to keep track of. Uh, people with type 1, type 2, LADA, parents, caregivers, adults. It's a really complete and lovely place. You should check it out. 